Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Time out. When there's gaps in coverage, every team needs a player they can count on to help. Aflac Supplemental Insurance can help close the gap between what health insurance covers and what it doesn't. When you're sick or injured, bills can rack up fast. Aflac pays cash that can be put towards medical expenses like co-pays or even non-medical expenses like rent or groceries. Get help with expenses health insurance doesn't cover. Visit aflac.com to learn more. Thanks for listening to the best of Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. This is the best of the Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, here we go on a Thursday. Big one tonight. Lakers look to seize absolute control over the Warriors and the dynasty up in the Bay Area. It's the herd wherever you may be and however you may be watching or listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. Tonight is the night. Once again, we saw it against Sacramento. We saw it against the Celtics last year. We saw it in the regular season. The dynasty holding on, grabbing, holding, and every time the Warriors answer, every single time they answer, will they answer tonight? I think you and I think the Warriors will even the series up tonight. I don't I don't think it's a think. I think we know the Warriors are All winning right. tonight. They're the Lakers, it ain't happening. Sorry. Um let me start the show with this. I've never been an awards guy. I used to have a Heisman Trophy vote. I voted one time. My guy finished like fourth, and I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not an awards guy. Uh, personally, professionally, I don't really care who wins awards. I really didn't care who won the Embiid Jokic Award, but I do think winning matters. And this is sort of a holistic rant on a macro rant on the NFL and the NBA. The reason the NFL is king, and there's a lot of reasons. We bet it. We watch it more. It's one game a week. But It's not that. That's always been the case. What has happened to the NBA over the last seven to eight to ten years is the regular season ratings are awful. And one of the reasons the regular season ratings are awful is that nobody cares about winning. Um, This is an interesting stat. And it's not an Embiid-Jokic argument. Embiid won. Happy for him. Uh, I had said a month ago I'd I'd vote for Jokic because he was on a number one seed and analytics, and uh, you know he played more games. But the last five players in the NBA to win the MVP, the last five players in their entire careers have one title and three final appearances. The previous five players to win the MVP have 15 titles and nine times as many finals appearances. There's a Kobe, LeBron, Durant, and Curry. 
that really is my beef. The MVP has been sort of a, uh, it's a compilation of stats and look at me. Winning doesn't mean anything anymore. So a, a prime example is, and again, it's not an Embiid versus, versus Jokic argument. Do you know the Sixers are actually 13-5 and five without Embiid this year? They have a higher winning percentage when he doesn't play. They have a higher net rating when he doesn't play. That's not even discussed. The Nuggets are awful. They're not even the same franchise when Jokic doesn't play. But the regular season is now so unimportant. Load management is a runaway train. And only recently did Adam Silver even suggest it's a problem that what happens is the regular season doesn't matter. Therefore, winning in the regular season doesn't matter. Jokic being a number one seed, that's like seventh in the pecking order. It's become a showcase of me. So when it doesn't matter if the stars play, it doesn't really matter what the record is. This is a symptom of it. It's not the cause. It's a symptom of it. It doesn't really matter that the Sixers are actually better when Embiid doesn't play. Here's something to think about. In the last 20 years, and this has been ongoing for a while, but in the last 20 years, the MVP has won a title just three times. And twice, it was just LeBron in Miami. So if you just took LeBron in Miami out in the last 20 years, it basically doesn't happen. But in the previous 20 years, half the time, the MVP won a title. Because you were part of a collective. The regular season mattered more. It was about winning and culture. And I'm not saying stats don't matter. But have we ever thought for five minutes that Harden or Westbrook were the most valuable anything? They're just talented. So that's my beef. It's not with who won it. It's what the most valuable player trophy has become. Symbolic of me and stats. Jokic being a number one seed, it's not even on the top five categories that matter anymore. So as a league, if you wonder why your NBA regular season ratings are plummeting, the audience can tell the regular season doesn't matter. You don't care about it. It doesn't matter if stars play. 66 games. That's MB. That's, that's all you got to play. You can take like a quarter... 20% of the regular season off. That's my issue. Um, so it's interesting. The Lakers tonight uh, are underdogs and should be. But really the key to the success in the last 20 games has been Anthony Davis. So as you all know, especially people in Los Angeles, um, the Lakers wanted this to become AD first, one, and LeBron 1A three years ago. But after they won a title... AD came in out of shape the following season. It did not sit well in the organization. Now, in his last 20 games, AD's had zero defensive clunkers and almost no offensive clunkers. In March, he averaged 28 and 12, and he, not LeBron, was the reason they got here. And you can see LeBron appreciating it. LeBron now takes more threes than ever before. It's easier. You don't have to race back on defense when you shoot a 26-footer. LeBron's not shooting the ball well, but he's shooting more because it's easier. And I think LeBron psychologically knows, hey, man, I just got seven, eight minutes of fastballs in this thing. I'm going to let the game come to me, and it's, Le it's AD's team. But when the Lakers went out and got Anthony Davis, actually, it was a dream scenario. Year one, they won a title. 
It was AD dominating in the bubble, LeBron out of his prime but still productive, and just a bunch of movable parts. Then there was the next several years where AD was brittle, off and out of shape. LeBron was aging, playing less. And the movable parts were often toxic, like Westbrook. But what's encouraging for the Lakers is in the last 20 games, it's become the bubble again. Peripheral guys that are not going to win games, but they can, Jared Vanderbilt, Austin Reeves, D'Lo, have moments that help, like KCP and Kuzma back then. But it's been a dominant AD and a past-his-prime LeBron who is great in spurts. So it does feel like a bubble year. And the other reason it feels like a bubble year, if you go back to the COVID bubble situation in Orlando, what happened? It was a strange, strange season. In the bubble, as we've noted again this year, veteran teams flourish in the playoffs. Young teams disintegrate. Cleveland this year disintegrated. Memphis disintegrated. Sacramento, good fight out in the first round. But in the COVID year, because the veteran players miss their families, miss their kids, except for LeBron and AD, all the old teams unraveled. It was a weird year. Well, I would argue this has been the second strangest year. The Warriors had chemistry issues that were so bad, they were like the third worst road team in the league. Milwaukee's already been rolled. The Knicks are suddenly good and viable, though they have one dependable score. Um... Memphis, John Morant situation, a mess. And at the end of the year, Kawhi and Paul George were out in the playoffs. So now all of a sudden, we again have a very weird year. Chemistry problems with the Warriors. The, a one seed's already been bounced. Boston now in close games, forget the blowouts, in close games is a 500 team. 13-13 in situational clutch games this year. So it is, there is a feeling around the Lakers, are we getting another kind of off year, weird year, strange year, dominant AD, LeBron out of his prime but productive, movable parts, and you take advantage of a little crevice, a little opening in the West to get to the finals. We'll find out tonight. My guess is the Warriors tie it up. But a win by AD in the Lakers, he has not had many clunkers in his last 20 would really put a stamp on probably the end of the dynasty. Shaq last night on Anthony Davis. I'm going to tell him, like Phil, Pat, and the Sarge used to tell me, do it again. I used to be like, Dad, I had a good game. I'm not impressed. Do it again. And Chuck is right. They will only go as far as he takes them. That was impressive. That 30 and 20, I have nothing to say about that. But guess what, young man? We got three more to go. Yeah, AD has, there have been two ADs. The bubble year and this. In between, out of shape, getting hurt, kind of toxic, doesn't work, disappointment. So can this become the bubble year? It is a strange, strange NBA season. Many stars didn't play. The MVP only plays, what, 65, 66 games. Chemistry issues. Kawhi Paul George out. Denver a number one seed. Milwaukee already rolled. Kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. I'm not a believer. I'm not. I do not see the Lakers capable of winning four series with old LeBron well past his prime, now relying on threes and shooting way too many of them, though not hitting them. And it's a cross-your-fingers scenario with AD and his health. But I would say 
even people I respect, I'm in the minority. I do not see this as a championship team. I just think their ceiling is incredibly low offensively. If AD's off, has a clunker, gets injured, I don't know where the points come from. But I'm in the minority. A lot of people think this is a championship team. And I don't I don't know if you do. You don't think they're a championship team. I don't think so. They're in the semifinals. Of course they can win the championship. I mean, they'll need some breaks here to get there. But my guess is tomorrow, right about this time, we'll be talking about, this is why you got to get rid of Anthony Davis. He just doesn't show up. He's inconsistent. You know, we saw it in the Memphis series. Awesome game. Next game comes out, four for 14. Foul trouble, not attacking the basket. Just a little too inconsistent for me. I'll say this. If they do pull off the win, we're going to have to do some apologizing to Mr. <laughs> Anthony Davis. He has been this last 20 games has been what he was year one. Now, year one, he got a three-and-a-half-month break because of COVID. So he came in incredibly dynamic and healthy. I don't quite see it this year. These playoffs, are they take a long time. I mean, just think of how, how many great games we watched in Sacramento-Golden State. <laughs> That's round one. I mean, like the first round, the NBA playoffs, of all the playoffs and all the sports, last longer than uh, baseball playoffs fly by. There's not as many games. NFL, couple weekends. NBA playoffs are forever. Yeah. I love the NBA playoffs, but think about all we've seen so far. Milwaukee out, Kings Warriors series. We just started round two. <laughs> so we have two more rounds before we get to the seven-game finals. That's a lot of games potentially for AD to carry a team. His history says the other night, LeBron and AD played over 40 minutes each. That's only the third time all year. Like, it's not it's not how they're built. Yeah. Right? Marathon, not a sprint, right? And uh, AD, not a marathon man. That's for right. Sure. <laughs> Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. The code is HERD, H-E-R-D. New customers can bet 5 bucks, get $150 instantly in bonus bets. That's only at DraftKings Sportsbook and only with the code HERD, H-E-R-D. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Decovas is a great boot brand. Love it. They're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage bootmaking. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. And Decovis is Western to the core, offering a bunch of 
other head-to-toe Western staples, trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearls, snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it, they'll get you outfitted. As a special opportunity for my listeners, Decovis has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Decovis.com. Just use the code HERD, H-E-R-D, at checkout, H-E-R-D. It's about a $30 value, and they sell fast. So there's always a new style and looks. Again, limited time, just enter the code HERD at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Decovis, only at Decovis.com. If you can't make it to a store, Decovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods to your door. Visit Decovis.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. Uh, years ago, uh, I, I've told the story in, in kind of, I was, I was a young sportscaster. I got a very lucky job. My first job out of college, I worked in Las Vegas, and I was doing AAA play-by-play of a baseball team, the Las Vegas Stars. Very, very lucky break. Great people. And I was on my way to, uh, you know, a career. And in that time, uh, Jerry Tarkanian and the Rebels were number one in the country in basketball. And uh, Mike Tyson was emerging uh, as an ascending star in boxing. And Tyson was fascinating to watch. His personal life was all over the map, and he didn't always have the greatest support system. But he was always dominant. A lot of early knockouts in his career. But what you watched was, because he didn't have great management all the time or great ring people, great corner people, is that in close fights, uh, as his career went on, uh, situationally, he wasn't a great fighter. He didn't get great advice. He wasn't great in close fights. And the later rounds, the more you pushed him past those early knockouts, he was a very dubious fighter. It didn't matter if it was against a Holyfield, a Lennox Lewis, or a night that he wasn't in the best shape, Buster Douglas. Uh, Tyson had a way to win. It made him spectacular. And But I always worried about him in close fights. He wasn't the same fighter. He didn't have the same swag, the same confidence, and the same abilities. And when I watch the Celtics, I feel like they're becoming that. Now, we can bang on Jason Tatum for having a bad night. He got into foul trouble, blah, blah, blah. Celtics blew out the Sixers. Celtics blow out teams all the time. They led the NBA in point differential. The Celtics blew out the Bucks by 41 in March. That's never the issue. But what I worry about in the Celtics is game one. Game, game, game two last night means nothing. It's a blowout. They're holding serve at home, right? You've got to win that game. But they're two and three in clutch time games in the playoffs, which to me is so bizarre because they have the same core four, the same core three or four guys they've had for six years. This year, they were 49 and 15 in games decided by six or more. It's the Mike Tyson quality. They blow people out. They get ahead. They get this, this, this newfound confidence in blowout games. It's like they're a different team. But they were a 500 team, 13 and 13 in games decided by five or less. I kept watching those games to get Atlanta down the stretch. Put them away. You're watching game one against Philadelphia. They had it. Put them away. So I don't take anything out of last night. I don't worry about Jason Tatum having a clunker. It happens all the time. But in the playoffs, the further you go, the closer the games historically get. And I just don't think this team has a lot of offensive clarity. I don't take anything from last night. I said, I don't take a ton from the Lakers-Warriors game one. The Lakers, with an older star team, had two extra days rest. The Warriors came off a grueling, emotional, tough seven-game series, turned around, didn't have much of a game plan, kind of felt out the Lakers, had a chance to win it late or tie it late, which is remarkable in itself. But it's going to be interesting. We've had two seasons now with the Celtics, and it's the same sort of truth. You don't trust them in big spots in close games. 
They're great in blowouts. They were great in blowouts last year. They're great in blowouts. They blew somebody out last night with Tatum having a bad night, which it happens, okay? But the fact that he can be that bad and they can still blow out Philadelphia, it's kind of what they've become. But we, we like to blame this new coach. But this morning, we were looking up numbers. It was the same thing last year. They weren't good in close games, and we loved their coach last year. We thought he was a go-getter. They'd found the guy, and then he had you know personal missteps, and he got bounced. But um, like last night's a classic playoff game. I don't take anything from. Philadelphia got the win in game one without Embiid. That's the story of the series. And the second story is you can't just win like last night. They have this confidence that emerges in blowouts. But when situationally it gets tight, it gets close, I don't think they always know what they are. And so uh, that's the interesting part of this series to me. Boston should win. They've got a core. It's a long-standing core. They play real defense. They're very good at home. They do so. I said the other day, there's so much about the Celtics I like. There's very little about them I love. Uh, here's Jalen Brown on taking game two. We just got to take more pride in ourselves, you know, and that's it, you know. Um, we just feel like, you know, we underperformed last game and we wanted to come out and play to the best of our ability. Um, and that's what that's what we did. Still like the Celtics. Still don't trust the Sixers, but I don't take anything from last night. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Cowboys are a very interesting team. I don't. I think they'll be less effective this year than they were last year. I think losing Kellen Moore hurts. Uh, I think their wide receiving core is an ankle twist to C.D. Lamb from being bad. Uh, their offensive line still feels like it's kind of in transition. And now Micah Parsons says, I want to be an edge rusher. Now, I will say edge rushers make a lot more money than linebackers, and he was already making this move last year or about 75% of the time he was at edge rush. and he, I'm, He's going to put on more weight. But as the NFL, due to safety, has changed and pivoted uh, to offense, two or three positions have gotten really valuable. Uh, none of those are linebacker, quarterback, wide receiver, edge rusher to get the quarterback. Safeties, linebackers, uh, running backs don't mean as much. So I, I pay attention to what the winning teams are doing. For instance, the winning Cincinnati Bengals bailed on two really good safeties. They were expensive. The losing Chicago Bears with a defensive coach went and bought two expensive linebackers. Seattle and Buffalo, I like them both. Defensive coaches pay a lot for safeties. The Kansas City Chiefs, after Chris Jones, keep that defense young and really, really cheap. Micah Parsons sees the truth. There's no money at linebacker going forward. The big money, with the good teams especially, edge rusher. Maybe a top corner. The Steelers, defensive coach, spend most of their money on defense. The Rams, an offensive coach, spend the least now. They moved off Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey. The Rams now spend the least on their defense. You watch their draft, all young guys. They want to go Kansas City. Kansas City offensive coach, Rams offensive coach. You pay one great defensive lineman, and you go young and cheap throughout. So I think, I think that's the direction of the NFL. New England, a defensive coach. Signed a three-year contract to a wide receiver that doesn't separate and drafted guards and kickers. Slowest offense in the AFC. Sean Payton goes to Denver. They don't have many picks because of the Russell Wilson trade. What did they do? Went and immediately got a speed receiver. So I think, I think what we're, we're seeing in the NFL, and Micah Parsons sees it, is that linebacker, 
not only does it mostly not make money, but the teams that are paying big money for linebackers are poorly run teams. Like the Bears went out, we're going to pay for linebackers. I don't see the Chiefs doing that. Chiefs defense, they started like four rookies. They had nine or ten play. Rams, Andy Reid's teams, and Sean McVay's teams, those are the last two Super Bowl winners, basically pay one great defensive lineman, and then and both have gotten rid of a really good corner. Jalen Ramsey goes to the Dolphins. A great corner for the Chiefs went to the Niners. But in both instances, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, will pay for an all-timer, and then we're just going to go young and cheap on defense. We're going to draft defense, go young and cheap. That, to me, is the future. And so that's, that's the future on a macro level for the sport. The offensive coaches get it. It's a speed perimeter league. There's four or five positions that matter. And even the defensive teams and the defensive coaches like Buffalo and Seattle that I like, spending money on safeties, that is not the way to go in this league. Just not. Uh, I did see the over and unders came down yesterday. Now, these are called future bets. They're my favorite actual bets. Uh, there's a number. So DraftKings, FanDuel, both give you a number. And you have to bet, will they win over that number they give you? There's a lot of halves, seven and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half. Do you bet over or do you bet under? Now, fans, as a general rule, tend to bet over. Fans are optimistic. Uh, you know, fans are rooting for their team. So I looked yesterday, on, I, I posted something about the Houston Texans. Everybody was bet the over, bet the O. Everybody loves their team. So um, I thought I have two takes on the over and unders that were released yesterday. My number one take is only five of 32 NFL teams are seen as poor. Arizona, Houston, five and a half wins. I think Houston's going to top that. Um, Tampa, Indy, and the Commanders all kind of crossing their fingers at quarterback are at six and a half. Now, it should be noted that Arizona would probably be seven and a half or eight if they had their quarterback. So it's really, that. take that one off. It's four teams out of 32, really, that are viewed as poor. That's like 12.5%. A third of baseball teams can't compete. It may be higher than that. A third of NBA teams feel like they're soft tanking or they're unwatchable. So we've only got really four teams in the NFL that feel like next year is kind of a, it's kind of a hopeless year. Again, Two of those teams, minimum, maybe three, you know, they're going to get a quarterback in next year's draft, which is a great, great draft next year. Two superstar college quarterbacks. So that's my first take, is that the NFL has always been the sport of hope. One of the reasons the NFL has fewer awful teams is because general managers, when they make a mistake or an owner, don't get trapped. It's amazing how punitive the NBA and baseball are. If a GM, let's just say, makes a bad acquisition, everybody makes mistakes. Michael Jordan missed half his shots. But the NFL doesn't punish you if you sign a guy. Years ago, the, 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 the Patriots signed like Albert Hainsworth, and he just didn't want to practice. They rolled the dice. So I think leagues should be constructed to allow teams to take big swings and then not be severely punished for years. It's like my kids. I want my kids to take chances. If they fail, my kids aren't going to take any more chances. They're going to sell insurance for the rest of their life, live in a small house, be petrified to move out of it. I want my kids to take big swings, travel, buy a house, roll the dice, buy a stock, take big swings in life. But baseball and the NBA punish teams. If you take a big swing and it doesn't work, you're trapped in many cases. The NFL, you can just move off it. Like, hey, we took a big swing on Albert Hainsworth. It didn't work. 
It didn't work. Uh, you know, New England took a huge swing, right? They, I'm going to get Randy Moss, bring him into the culture. It worked for a couple of years. It was better for the sport. Those Brady Moss teams were wildly entertaining. I like that Dallas took a big swing on Kyrie Irving. I like it. It was drama. It was, it was a tire fire, but it was good drama. I think you should be able to take big swings. So the NFL doesn't punish their teams, their owners, their GMs. When they take a big swing, it doesn't work. You can move off guys quickly. The second thing is on this over-under that I don't even know what to make of this. Vegas makes very few mistakes. Um, when they do make mistakes, the wise guys, or as they're called, the sharps, if they make a bad line Monday morning, the wise guys are all over it, and they bet it up or down within like three hours. And Vegas does make mistakes, but in the regular season, uh, they, don't, they don't last long. They move the line very quickly. J-Mac, tell me I'm out of my gourd. The Atlanta Falcons at eight and a half wins is the strangest line I've ever seen. Now, think about this. Desmond Ritter's their quarterback. Green Bay is at only seven and a half wins, also in a wonky division, also in the NFC, but at least that quarterback, Jordan Love, has been in the system three years. We got like four games of Desmond Ritter last night. Is he the guy? He could very well be a career backup. Minnesota won their division. Eight and a half wins. Atlanta, eight and a half. Seattle, a playoff team. Another amazing draft. Eight and a half wins. The Falcons at eight and a half wins. The Steelers, who we both think are an absolute buy. The greatest draft, arguably, and they played very well at the end of the year. Eight and a half wins. How in God's name with Desmond Ritter, I know the division's weak. Can you be an eight and a half win team? Now, Atlanta's got one of the weaker schedules. I get it. But that doesn't historically matter when you have a C quarterback. Hmm. It, like New England for years, because their division was so bad, they were almost guaranteed a weaker schedule. The Jets were bad. The Dolphins were bad. The Bills were bad. They got six bad games. Six bad teams. So even though they were a number one seed, their schedule was always very middle-of-the-pack difficult. But they had Brady, so they won those games. Atlanta is the safest underbet. Am I out of my mind here? Eight and a, who's betting so, nine okay. wins on Atlanta? I'll ask. Do you know how many wins they had last year? Six. Seven. They won seven games last year with like uh, – I don't even know who their quarterback was. Like, who was their starting quarterback last year? They didn't have a lot of dudes, and they managed seven wins. Now the division got weaker. Tom Brady's gone. I think you can give him two well, wins I, over I, Tampa. I would argue, you could argue New Orleans is better with Derek Carr. No, well, and look at New I, Orleans' total. Okay, but I would argue Carolina and New Orleans could be better because I think Bryce Young and Frank Reich are a major upgrade from Baker Mayfield and Matt Rule. So, so Carolina's going to be better okay. And I think with Derek Carr, the Saints will be better. I'm not saying they're great, but they're better than last year. So what version. are the Falcons in the division? Three and three or four and two? I think they're a third place team. I think well, they'll take the under. I mean, I that's a stay away for me, but Usually, clearly a, Vegas knows something that you and I do not or know. Or they made a huge mistake. They could have hung a bad line. It's possible. Bali Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo! Of course, you know us as the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Pauly and Tony Fusco Show. Yeah. If you're hearing this promo right now, it means you're listening to some other show. Uh, well, why the hell are you doing that? Yeah, get your priorities straight. Well, maybe, Tony, they listened to this week's episode already. I don't care. Listen to it again. Yeah, great point there, Tony. Anyway, Thank you. so you listening out there, make sure and go do that. 
and uh, listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi, it's the Herd. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Any. That's right. To celebrate college basketball's most frenzied time of the year, it's here. DraftKings is giving new customers a shot to rack up bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code Herd. Once again, new customers. Bet 5 and get 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, code HERD, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Decovas is a great boot brand. Love it. They're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. And Decovis is Western to the core, offering a bunch of other head-to-toe Western staples, trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearls, snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it, they'll get you outfitted. As a special opportunity for my listeners, Decovis has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Decovis.com. Just use the code HERD, H-E-R-D, at checkout. H-E-R-D. It's about a $30 value, and they sell fast. So there's always a new style and looks. Again, limited time. Just enter the code HERD at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Decovas, only at Decovas.com. If you can't make it to a store, Decovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods to your door. Visit Decovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. Patrick Beverly can annoy people, but he's highly passionate. And I like I like your Draymond Greens, your Patrick Beverleys, uh, your Rodmans. You know, they're they're defensive players first. Uh, they can kind of discombobulate your offense. They get in your head. Uh, now Draymond's much better than Patrick Beverly, but Patrick Beverly says fifty percent of NBA players don't love basketball. What percentage of NBA players don't really love fifty? And I was like being nice. How can you tell when someone doesn't love basketball? Preparation. Now, can you have all that energy and put it in basketball? Is it watching film? Is it extra shots? Is it free throws? Is it working on offhand? Is it working on shots that you might not even use just to have some in your back pocket? Preparation. How prepared are you? Do you know the coach's philosophy? Do you know what the coaches, what, what the coaches want from you? 
So it's easy to blame the players here. I won't. I'll blame the culture. The football culture in America is better than the basketball culture. The business of basketball wears kids out, not the basketball. AAU basketball, as Steve Kerr recently called out, is counterproductive subculture to the sport. College basketball is completely transitional. The shoe company deals are sketchy. Teams are losing intentionally often to get better draft picks. You enter the NBA often at 19 years old, and a lot is demanded of you. It is why Adam Silver said last year, my players are miserable. You've never heard Roger Goodell say that. Because you're asking young people to carry the weight of the world. Marketing campaigns, shoe campaigns, be a dominant player. These guys can't get in the bar at the team hotel. They're 19 years old. The football culture doesn't do that. I mean, Zion Williamson at Duke suggested he wanted to come back for a second year because he had so much fun. He was called out. It was bad for business. Get to the pros. Hurry up. There's one way to do it. One and done. Get to the pros. Basketball is in a rush to get the kids paid and get the kid marketed. They don't really care about the kid. They care about everybody gravy training off the kid. Football culture is different. They don't give young players a lot of power. Coaches are empowered. You have to play three years of college football for mental and physical and emotional growth. You can be hard coached. Your agent has little power. Marketing doesn't matter. Nobody knew who the hell Tom Brady was, and he had two Super Bowls. He wasn't doing massive commercials. We think we're doing basketball players a favor to give them everything they want at 19 and 20. We're doing a disservice. That's why so many guys become bounce-around-the-league guys. That's why so many guys in basketball become, whatever happened to Sebastian Telfair? That's what happens to the league over and over and over. And yet the NFL, half the league is undrafted. Austin Reeves is everywhere in the NFL. Austin Reeves went to college three and four years. Who's leading the Knicks? Jalen Brunson, three-year college player. Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. How many of the Warriors went to years and years of college? It's this basketball culture, get everybody played or fire the agent, fire the coach. You're putting this unbelievable burden on 19 and 20-year-old kids. The NFL, the coach has power. The league has power. You're not given as much power. You can be as good as Patrick Mahomes. You're not, you're not making any money your first three years in the league. You're not making big boy money. Slow growth. You're part of a collective. You're supported. More is demanded, but they don't, they don't turn you into a marketing machine because you can sell a shoe. The NBA, I think a lot of times, basketball culture thinks it's a great thing to get everybody paid early and create stars. NFL is more about creating teams and winning and a community, and it's less reliant on a young 19-year-old. So when you see a kid like John ja Morant go sideways, you're like, yeah, like I get it. The, the weight of the world's on his shoulders. He's a kid. So I, I don't blame the players on this. It's very easy to blame kids. Look at the parents. It's very easy, you know, to, to always blame young people for the problems of society. Are they getting support? Are we asking too much? I just saw a study the other day. Young people have never been more miserable. Test scores, go to college, best schools. They may benefit later in life. They may, 
But when you when I, I remember not long ago, a couple years ago, I was uh, I was actually skiing and I was having lunch, and I ran into a nice man. He was a athletic director at an Ivy League school. I won't say the school, but I I have his business card. Very very nice man. And I asked him. I said, "What is the worst part of your job?" I mean, you're dealing with these brilliant kids. Uh, there's not a ton of athletic pressure in the Ivy League, right? Like, we, you know, I mean, Harvard football has been pretty good. I said, what's the worst part of being an athletic director at an Ivy League school? Kids don't get into trouble much. He said, the pressure from the parents. He goes, the depression levels are through the roof. Prep schools, got to qualify, got to make the team. He's like, my kids are miserable. A big chunk of my kids are miserable. So when Adam Silver says, my players are miserable, don't blame the kid. Blame the culture. Blame the structure. Stop trying to build franchises in cities around John Moran. He's a kid. Let him grow. I mean, I, I get basketball culture. I get the one-and-done thing. But it shouldn't be a race. Zion Williamson, spend another league in, spend another year in college. I, this idea that the NBA has marginalized college basketball is bad for the kid. The hell are you talking about? Spending two years at Duke is bad. Carolina or with Bill Self at Kansas, that's bad. Bill Self can do circles around these G League scrub coaches. Again, NFL looks at college football as an ally. Bill Belichick calls Saban, calls his guys. Calls his Herm Edwards, calls his Sabins. NFL sees college football. You're helping us. NBA looks at college basketball. You're taking money away from the kids. That's why the NBA's got so many. Whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. It ends sadly a lot. All right. A lot of stuff going on. Mark Medina's around the corners, covered the Warriors and the Lakers. It's a, it's actually tonight. Is this sound? Am I being a little hyper on this? Is it one of the games of the season? I mean, for the Warriors to lose in Sacramento is different. I'm still the, letting your take marinate um, that you just ranted about. That was kind of different than you've done lately. I, I need a minute to digest it fully. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. A lot. Because, frankly, I want to defend some of these kids for leaving to get paid in the NBA as opposed to not getting paid in college. But now with NIL, they do get is paid. there more of an incentive for some of these guys to stay? I don't like the way the NBA treats college basketball it's like time out you don't think spending two years with bill self doesn't have advantages why are we taking 19 year olds and forcing and by the way in a college level program you have a history and a community like kansas basketball gonzaga basketball these programs they really do a good job of getting a kid up to speed emotionally and physically like you get to the nba man the clock is ticking. If by year two you aren't showing stuff, you don't get you don't get the attention, yeah. you don't get the marketing. Do you know how hard it is? I mean, I'm not what John ja Morant did is a bummer, but it's not a shock when you look at what we pile on our basketball players at 19 years old. It's not shocking. Yeah. The outcome is sometimes really unfortunate. Well, it's interesting that uh, Denver's one of their best players off the bench is Christian Braun from Kansas. He stayed, I believe, three years. He's an instant impact guy contributor. A lot of these guys who come in as rookies, like Paolo Banquero, Orlando lost, what, 50 games? Uh, the, the kid in Houston, they lost 60. Like, 
you come in, you're going to be drafted at the top. You're going to lose a lot. You go to you've been awful used to winning teams. AAU college. You're used to winning. Go to a bad team. You're not winning. I mean, you're making a lot of money though, and you're enjoying life. By the way, go look at the Miami Heatles. A lot of guys that went to more than one year of college, right? Go look at the Warriors. Go look at the Knicks this year. I mean, Jalen Brunson's a classic. Hard coached at Villanova. They make you play real defense at Villanova. Jalen, uh, Josh Hart, same deal. Okay. I mean, you start looking around the league, and I'm not saying stars don't matter, but it's, I mean, you know, Michael Jordan was not a one and done. Well, we, we're starting to see this a little with quarterbacks in the NFL, are we not? Some of these guys who started for one year, and then they're off to the NFL. Like, Trubisky By started for like one year. Anthony Richardson, guy, he's not ready for the league. Trey Lance, he could use some more time, but... Hey, I can redshirt. I can start one year. There's yeah. not too much tape well, on me, and now they want me. Well, it's interesting. Mac Jones, one year starting. It's been rough. He's a little older. But but it, it's been choppy. Yeah. Okay, Trey Lance. Zach Wilson is like Zach Wilson. perfect example. Like, one dude, big year. You're not Chop- ready. And by the way, could I not argue, with Zach Wilson, it was a maturity thing. With Mac Jones, Mac and Roe Jones, he has battled with coaches. Trey Lance, not a lot of starts. Kyler Murray didn't have a lot of college starts. It's been a maturity thing. The Herd streams 24 hours a day, seven days a week within the iHeartRadio app. Search Herd to listen live or on demand whenever you'd like. Well, he has covered both the Warriors as a beat writer years ago and the Lakers as a beat writer before that. And this series comes down to tonight, the Warriors' ability to even it up. So, you know, you you know the Warriors and Lakers ecosystems, Mark Medina, very, very well, an NBA writer. I uh, was bounced around uh, USA Today. We use them all the time. You know the ecosystem. So when you cover the Lakers, uh, there was some ugliness. When you cover the Warriors, it was mostly really quality basketball. The two organizations, though, one of the richest owners, one of the mom-and-pop shops, what was the biggest difference between covering on a daily basis you know, I mean, you're at shoot-arounds, the Warriors and the Lakers. Well, I think specifically the time that I covered the Warriors and the Lakers, the biggest difference was night and day. I'm covering the Lakers during their worst stretch in franchise history and Kobe Bryant trying to overcome season-ending injuries. With the Warriors, I'm jumping right into the, the middle of their championship dynasty. So I think the, the thing that was just very transparent was that, you know, there's a lot more collaboration, synergy, chemistry, but I think the commonalities of the organizations there's there's a commitment to winning it's about having star players and really good people around them so even if i didn't have that window of the lakers championship success i certainly had the context that you know they're only a few years removed from being part of that ecosystem and now it's almost full circle you know warriors won the title last year lakers won the title in the bubble and now you're looking at this matchup and you think man this should be an nba finals matchup because of the quality of basketball so there were the kd warriors where they stomped people and went in his heavy favorites now it's the warriors with steph steph's older mid-30s everybody's a little older clay and draymond where their iq their resilience that coaching is winning games. They're not necessarily as good as some of the teams they're beating. Boston last year had them dead to rights after three games, and it was just their ability to adapt. So what did you make? We saw them lose game one against Sacramento in a hole against Boston last year. After game one, I, I go to the internet, and everybody is like, <laughs> oh, these are these are impossible, insolvable, unsolvable matchups size-wise. What did you make of game one? I made the complete opposite. I mean, look, the Lakers, they made a statement when Anthony Davis, wow, what a moment of growth. 44 minutes. 44 minutes, so much dominance from both the glass and the points. They did what they're supposed to do, but I think the Warriors looked at it as a feel-out game. 
two days removed from Game 7. I think it seems inevitable Warriors win Game 2 tonight, and then it's about moving forward. How do these chess pieces work from both teams, Game 3 and onward? Sign up for a seven-game series. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I lean toward the Warriors because of the fact that they have Steph Curry. They have a lot of continuity. The Lakers are starting to establish that identity. Ever since the trade deadline, they've been one of the best teams in the NBA. But it just seems like you never want to bet against Steph. And there's probably more question marks pertaining to the Lakers' health because you just never know with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, his 20th season, then the Warriors. But look, sign me up. It's a seven-game series. It's going to be quality basketball every game. And aside from tonight, where I think the Warriors get it, you never quite know what's going to happen. That's what's going to be compelling for this series. So you, as a guy who covered the Warriors, you saw some, uh, you know, some turbulence with Draymond Green. But Kerr, I really feel in the last couple of years, has doubled down on Draymond. They had their shouting matches early, but as Draymond has aged and as players have aged, it feels like Kerr really now understands how how valuable Draymond is. Outside of Steph, he's kind of the soul. Um, when you were there, it feels like Kerr and Draymond, they were they were kind of like newlywed. They, 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 the relationship was starting. They appreciated each other, but drove each other nuts. Yeah. That was my interpretation. Yeah, without a doubt. I think when I was there, it was in the middle of, they had already gone through that stage where they know the good, bad, and the ugly, but I was there when the whole KD and Draymond argument happened. I think what was interesting is even though that incident wasn't great and didn't look good and they had to solve things internally, it didn't affect how they played the rest of the season. Kevin Durant was still a dominant player. The Warriors were still a dominant team, and while that incident may have exposed and I think reconfirmed why long-term Kevin Durant was going to leave, I don't think that that's what prompted him leaving. That seemed inevitable from the jump that I think to Kevin Durant's defense, he felt like he needed new challenges. He already won a championship there. He wants to to go elsewhere. And while there might be criticism after the fact of, well, why would then the alternative be teaming up with Kyrie Irving? I, I totally understood from both sides why everyone felt the way they felt about things. So I think moving forward, you look at Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, their incident, that's not great. But while you don't discount how that may have affected locker room dynamics, Draymond still played at an elite defensive level this year. And Jordan Poole has shown the ups oh. and downs of a typical young player, regardless of what happened off the court. So um, win or lose, um, they're, they're, this organization, you could clearly tell by the James Wiseman move where they bailed on a very good, young, talented player, it's all on Steph's timeline. They're not yeah. going to bring anybody in that's not ready to play now. That's why Iggy is a veteran. That's why Wiggins is ready to help. If you look at what they're doing is they bring Gary Payton back. Some deficiencies offensively. This whole year felt like the gap, trying to bridge the gap between Kaminga and Moody and the and the old guys that needed rest. And they struggled with it. Um, I think if they win or they lose, they are going to try to slowly ask less and less of Steph. And the way to do that is get more front court scoring. So, like, if I said to you, they're going to make a big move. Now, they're heavy at guard. Jordan Poole, Steph, Clay, Peyton. They can move a guard. I don't think they'd move Wiggins. He's still twitchy and athletic. Steph and Draymond aren't leaving. I don't believe. 
But I think win or lose, they, they are a smart organization. They're going to say, we can't have Steph having to score 33 years old at 36. Give me a move you think would be a possible move. Yeah, it's hard to answer because I think the Warriors leave so many things open-ended. I mean, they chart, and this isn't unique to the Warriors, but it's a window into this question. They chart contingency plans five years out, six years out, and it's all on possible scenarios. And I think philosophically, talking to Joe Lakeup over the years, it's his intent that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they're warriors for life. But the moment that they seem to be not in the championship picture, he's not going to hesitate to pivot. And so what that means in real time, I don't think it's about championship or bust necessarily this season, but how does the last game of the playoffs look? Yes. And with that, you have Draymond Green. He could have a player option this summer. Clay Thompson, he has one year left on his contract. They haven't had extension talks yet. What does that fork in the road look like next season where do they show long-term commitment or do they want to leave that open-ended for next season? They already a little bit doubled down with giving those extensions to Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, um, with the idea of we got to go younger. But they've also pivoted the other way to what you said about Let's trade James Wiseman. So they still are trying to have it both ways of committing to Steph, committing to the long term with trying to develop young guys on the fly. But I think when it's all said to and done, they're always going to tilt toward let's go in on Steph as yes. long as he's still in his prime and producing. And even if he's doing less, he can still produce at a high level. And I think the last point on this, Colin, they're not going to always ask Steph to do the Game 7 Steph unless they need to. And I think that explains why Steph looked different in Game 1. It's about not necessarily saving him. It's not load management during the playoffs, but it's about being smart about how a playoff series goes. So I think it's going to really be fascinating what happens this offseason. It's really going to be contingent on these playoffs, but not so much of championship or bust. So let's pivot to this. Now, J-Mac rolls his eyes at me, but AD, I think, has one year left and a player option. So my takeaway is, with AD's history, that his prime was much earlier and will be much shorter. Mm -hmm. um, and that he's giving us now something we've been waiting for for three years since the bubble which is consistent dominance. We went like two and a half years waiting for it. He came into camp out of shape. He was always hurt. He didn't play hurt. Something happened 20 games ago, and he's been a different player. And LeBron, by the way, now shooting more threes, not shooting them well. LeBron is like stepped back and is highly appreciative. You can see LeBron now, he's shooting threes. His whole thing is easier to get back on defense. I'm, I am not going to exert the effort I'm going to save it until I absolutely Memphis game, fourth quarter overtime, have to deliver it. And I love that, LeBron. But here's the thing. If they lose to the Warriors, will they have a conversation? Because I make this argument, Mark. With LeBron playing 50 games, AD actually isn't a great fit. An Ant Edwards would be, where I get 70. A Tatum would be. I'm not saying they would get them. Is that when you have an older player like a Steph, youth isn't just about the ability to defend. It's the, about the ability to play 70 games. Let's say the Warriors come back, win this series in six. Do the Lakers just say, we're going to go with old LeBron and often brittle AD, and we're just going to, we're not going to make any big swings. Well, how about this? I, again, I think it's going to be about 
what does the last game look like for the Lakers? Same idea. Obviously, they want to win championships, but I don't think it's championship or bust as far as it affecting roster construction. I wouldn't be surprised that win or lose in this series that they think we're going to run these things back for next season with the idea that when you look at how they have been since the trade deadline, they've been one of the best teams in the league from a record standpoint, Defense. defensively, offensive chemistry, and it really goes down to when they trade Russell Westbrook, some of it addition by subtraction, but they also provide a lot more depth. And think about what that would look like with another training camp and a full season. They could still be a major player, but uh, I think to the larger point, is this a long-term thing? Uh, long-term thing? I think it's very day-by-day. Day. I think that they're going to allow LeBron James to ride out his career with them, and then at that point, it's let's assess what we have. But I think to your point about AD, from the very beginning, under ideal circumstances, it was about LeBron James passing the torch yes. to AD so that he would be the face of the franchise. Yes. He's showing some growing signs here, but it was also one of those things. They thought that this would be something that would be happening much earlier oh, yeah. post-bubble, and that didn't quite happen. Partly injuries, partly play. So we'll see if this is a definitive step in the right direction. By the way, think about this. Nuggets either sweep or beat the Suns in five. Number one seed, go home for a week to get ready for the six or seven game Old Warriors, old Lakers. You can just put it down right now. Denver's going to have a one nothing lead in the Western Conference Final. You go to high altitude. Lakers-Warriors is not a four-game series. If Phoenix doesn't win, is it tonight? It is a or tomorrow night. Denver's going to be sitting home for five days. You go to that altitude. Like we just, We have to be honest about this. Denver has a 1-0 lead in the Western Conference Finals. This just may be... I, you know, I watch them and I'm like, they're efficient. <sighs> Is this a championship team? Were we all wrong? Look, the Denver Nuggets are a real team. And, you know, they have a two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic. And then, so they have the superstar on the team, as well as just a lot of depth and continuity. And Jamal Murray's back and healthy. Same thing with Michael Porter Jr. Michael Malone, I think is one of the best coaches in the NBA. So when we're talking about the Nuggets, like, playoff failures, right, Keep in mind that they overachieved in the bubble, overcoming 3-1 series deficits against Utah, against the Clippers. They lost to a really good Lakers team in the West Finals. Fast forward to their playoff failures again. They lost to the Suns. Jamal Murray's out because of the ACL. Yeah. Last season, hey, it's not great to lose in the first round, but they lost, they lost to the Warriors. <laughs> They're a good team, right? So I, I think that the Nuggets all along have shown their the real deal and now, finally, this is the team that this is what it looks like when they're fully healthy. But I think to your point, Colin, they're still going to have their hands full. The Lakers and the Warriors, they're the real deal as well. As And while the Denver Nuggets might have the advantage, especially game one, because of that rest, um, that would be a pretty long series as well. Yeah. By the way, in the East, who are you with? I'm mixed. I mean, I thought from the beginning it was going to be Milwaukee 
and and Boston. Obviously, that went out the window with the Bucks losing the first round. And while I would tilt the favor now to the Celtics because look, they responded with did what they need to do again uh, against the Sixers in Game Two. The fact that they lost to the Sixers in Game One without Joel Embiid that was just mind boggling. I think that this series can go either way, Philly or Boston. And why were so many of those Atlanta games close? Yeah, I mean, look, Trey Young's a good offensive player, but to your point, the Celtics need to put away teams early. And to some degree, this is sometimes the symptoms of a really good team that doesn't feel challenged when you've been to the finals. And the Warriors have certainly shown that over the years. But I also feel like it's some warning signs that they don't always take care of their T's and I's. And when you do that in the playoffs against good teams, they'll take advantage of it. Games decided by five or less this year, despite this core for over a half decade, they were 13 and 13. Yeah. They're a great blowout team. Yeah. But they in close games, they are a coin flip. I hated the end of that game one. Marcus yeah. Smart. It's taken. He didn't even have a good night for Marcus Smart. Why does he have the ball down the stretch twice? I don't understand when you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown there, right? And I think that the confounding thing about the Celtics is they, I think, have found the right dynamic for the most part between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown dating back to last season. They had a, have a lot of depth. They have a lot of good defenders. Robert Williams III is healthy. I think Joe Missoula has done a good coaching job, but the fact that they look so different, depending on the quality of opponent, I feel very mixed. Again, some of it might be just them not feeling challenged enough, but this is the playoffs. You can't afford to have that attitude, especially against a Sixers team that still, at the end of the day, had a healthy James Harden. Yeah, and Embiid will be getting healthier game to game. Great seeing you, Mark. Hey, likewise. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.